From Live Consulting, this is Cannabis Business Minds with your hosts, Kristen Yoder and Simone Similuka Radsons. On today's episode of Cannabis Business Minds, we have an interview with Alex Traverso, the Chief of Communications for the BMCR, aka Bureau of Medical Cannabis Regulations. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Sure. Um, so, so basically, just a just a quick bit about about me. I'm, I'm I've been with the bureau now for um, a little bit more than four months. My first day of work here was the day before the election, so it was oh. a really interesting time to to get started. The day before Prop 64 passed, oh, and our workload here at the bureau expanded considerably. So. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I've, uh, was appointed to my position by governor Brown and, um, have been a, a governor's appointee. I've served for three different governors in my, in my career. I've worked in the assembly. I've, I've had a lot of, uh, government related experience and it's, it's exciting to be here. It's an exciting time to be a, be a part of this. Great. And yeah, thank you. I mean, clearly you guys have been up to a lot of good stuff and super <clears throat> busy, and, you know, before we get into our interview, just for everybody, can you just clarify, you know, what is the BMCR? What do you guys do? What do you not do in terms of cannabis regulation? Well, we were basically the, the, the lead agency in, um, in charge of, of regulating uh, both uh, medicinal and uh, adult use cannabis in, uh, in our state. So what what the bureau does right now, and what we're doing is we're we're currently working on drafting regulations for medical cannabis, um, and we could talk more about that later. But those are coming along pretty well. We're we're to the point where those are about to the proposed regulations are about to be rolled out for public comment, and will hopefully become the basis of of, of where we start with our with our adult use regulations. Um, that uh, that that portion of work that came around when Prop 64 passed. So. Um, we're drafting regulations right now, and that's that's our primary focus. But as we move forward, our our focus will will start to shift, and and we can touch on that in a little bit. Okay, very cool. Who who are the other regulatory bodies involved in regulating cannabis in the state of California? Right. It's important to note that yeah, we the, the bureau is while, while we may be the lead agency, we we have a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of different partners that we work with uh, the Department of Food and Ag. Um, handles uh, the regulations for for cultivation, and then we've got the Department of Public Health, and they are working on regulations for manufacturers. So anybody who wants to, if you're someone who wants to to be licensed to to make edibles, um, the Department of Public Health is where you go, and they've been uh, very helpful also in helping us with regulations for testing labs because that's a big part of uh, the process as well is getting testing labs licensed. So. Um, we have those partners, and you know a lot of other partners around the around the table as well. The uh, Board of Equalization is is a partner of ours because they've got to figure out the taxation uh, questions and revenue collection. And we work with Fish and Wildlife on some environmental things. And um, Department of Pesticide Regulation is another another agency that we work a lot with because there will be standards and testing for you know different pesticides and what what's acceptable and what's not. So. Um, lots of lots of people we're working in a collaborative fashion with. Absolutely. Can you talk to us a little bit about like 
when somebody's applying for this license is because now you there's the BMCR, there's all these other regulatory bodies. I think a lot of people get confused of like, well, who am I going to be talking to? Like, am I am I talking to the BMCR? Am I applying through them? Am I applying through, um, you know, the Department of Agriculture? Can you just explain that a little bit more? Yeah, and I and I think a good resource um, again is our is our website bmcr.ca.gov. Um, that'll show you where you know where responsibility lies for each you know what what it, what each agency is responsible for in terms of licensing ultimately. And so it'll show that if you're somebody who wants to um, open a dispensary, if you're somebody who um, if you're a testing lab, if you're um, in distribution, you're going to come to the bureau to get licensed, mm-hmm. and then it'll show you you know obviously cultivation is food and ag, and manufacturing is uh, public health. So it lays out you know kind of the different license types and where and where you would need to go if you wanted to pursue one of those license types. I think another uh, question we get a lot is where, so people want to know where to get their licenses, but there's mm-hmm. state licensing and then there's local licensing. Correct. And it seems, if I'm correct, um, correct me if I'm not, is that you have to be locally licensed to apply for a state license correct? You're absolutely correct. Um, that's, that's the interesting part of this is there is dual licensing. So, and there's, and there's local control. So what the state regulations will ultimately do is set, set forth a baseline and say, here's the, here are the, the minimum requirements. And if you, you know, if you're a city or a county and you want to, you want to go further and you want to say, I want to be more restrictive than you can be, but the state, the state regulations are the guideline. That's, that's the, the, the bare minimum that you need to do if you're interested in, in uh, participating in the, in the cannabis industry in your city or county. So um, right now you're seeing um, a variety of things around the state. You're seeing cities and counties who are in the process of um, enacting their own ordinance as it relates to cannabis. You're seeing some that are taking a kind of a wait-and-see approach and waiting for the state regulations to come out. And then you're seeing some who are just saying, no, this isn't for us, and, and saying we're just going to ban cannabis activity in our county and leave it at that. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot. So, you know, I always tell people um, if you look at the state of California and outline now, the, the what's happening in each county, it probably makes up looking like a patchwork quilt because everyone's kind of doing things a little bit differently. Absolutely, but absolutely. Ultimately, ultimately, when we are ready to start licensing, the Bureau is going to, going to need to know what's happening in each county because, like you said, if somebody applies for a, say, a license for a dispensary and they are, um, their business is in a county where there's a ban, they can't get a license. Absolutely. I mean, and that actually segues perfectly into our next question. I mean, there is clearly this community around local, you know, local governments, local licensing, uh, and then this whole state thing. And how, you know, if you think about the idea of almost an international corporation. You've got all these different units and then you've got this master unit that is kind of overseeing everything, right? And you need mm-hmm. to ensure that through that, that there's, you know, transparency, that there is one system, that it's, you know, that there's not double doing of things. And so my question to you is, you know, what's the plan to ensure that local governments aren't changing too, like charging too much for a local license through the fees or the taxes, mm-hmm. and that it really is going to be sustainable for all these businesses going forward yeah yeah i'm going to tell you it's that's that's a real challenge um and it's going to continue to be a challenge and 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 
the best thing that we are able to do now is to really get out um, and go around the state and and try and and try and educate people as much as we can from um, experiences that have taken place in other states, things mm-hmm. that we've witnessed, things that we've uh, talked with other state regulators about, whether it's in you know folks from Oregon or Colorado or Washington, um, and and sort of some of the, relaying some of the lessons that they that they've learned and we've learned from them about, um, you know, because ultimately the best way to, you know, if you're, if, if regulation is what you're trying to achieve, you have to make it, you have to make it worthwhile for people to come into regulation. And the best way to do that is to, to is to, to figure out a good, um, it's to not make regulations overburdensome to keep costs down mm-hmm. because obviously that's the driving factor for most people is if, if it's not profitable for them to continue to do business because taxes are high or license fees are high, um, then it's counterproductive. Then it, it defeats the purpose of us, um, you know, creating regulations if we if we can't eliminate the black market. Yeah, and so and at the so same. So the best thing we can do basically is talk to talk to people and say, hey, this is if you if if you want if you want to be successful and you want these these illegal businesses to 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 come into the come into the light, so to speak. Then here are the things that you need to consider, and one of those things is not is not making taxes too heavy. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to the consumers, uh, they're not trying to pay thirty percent taxes on their mm-hmm. products. Which mm-hmm. my question is, Washington had such a high excise tax on cannabis. I think it was thirty seven. It was thirty seven percent. Yeah. Could mm-hmm. the could control from the state like if. With Prop 64, obviously a lot of that is going to change over the years. There will be amendments to it. Would it be possible or is it realistic that there could be an amendment that limits the amount that cities and counties charge in taxes oh, so that, that they don't they don't yeah. go insane and drive <laughs> people out of there? Yeah, ultimately again it's still it's still local control so we and and you know, I don't know what the future holds, obviously, and, and the legislature is obviously active mm-hmm. um, as far as all things cannabis. We've we've seen more than 40 pieces of legislation already yeah, we um, heard that. working their way through the through the Capitol. So um, there's obviously a lot of interest. And, and I think as we go forward, you know, there are going to be things that come up that we we think need to be fixed. And the legislature is keeping an eye on that. And, and we're comfortable with with how that process works out. So. Uh, but but ultimately, I'm not I'm not sure if they're going to be able to 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 go to local governments and 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 tell them what they can and can't do. Um, yeah. You know, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. But I think the market will dictate a lot of that. I mean, when they see if the Very tax true. rate is too high, mm-hmm. there will be problems and people will be vocal about that, and then they'll have to reassess. So yeah. um, there's going to be a period of time after January one when when we're getting started where we're going to need a good six months at least to figure out where everything's at and how things are working. Yeah, no, absolutely. And before we get on to our next question about seed to sale, I have a question compared to other states. Is California unique to have this dual licensing of the local and then the state? Um, you know, I, I think, I think what, 
I, I can't speak for every state because I'm not familiar with every everyone's uh, everyone's regulations. Uh-huh. But we are we are certainly unique in the fact that we have there are so many jurisdictions that we have in California. I mean, just population alone, just the size of our state is a is going to be country. a challenge. Yeah. yeah, The fact that there are over 500 cities and counties uh, and everybody does things a little bit differently is going to be a big challenge. So. Um, th- that's a big a big consideration for sure. Totally. And not to mention California is the sixth largest economy in the world. So you've got a and, lot of yeah. money and a lot of big yeah, players that yeah. have a lot yeah, of sway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we you know, we've in in, in my experience in in government, um, you know, there's always this desire for California to be the trendsetter and to be you know, the first one to do X, Y, or Z. Well, in this case, I think everybody's really comfortable with the fact that we're not the first yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So we do have some other states' experiences to look at. And, and while it's not exactly an ideal one-to-one comparison, uh, because our state is so much larger than the others who, are, who have gone down this road, um, there's still a lot we can learn, and there's still um, a lot of different lessons we can take away and, and uh, use as we, we create our own regulations. Excellent. So, uh, as Simone had mentioned about the tracking or track and trace software for the state, I know that there are a few counties up north that have been using SICPA. Um, I know Humboldt did the proof of origin, and from what I read, it sounds to be really successful. Have this has the state received any RFPs from these providers, or do you have any idea of how that's going right now? Yeah, that's uh, all I can really tell you on that is that we're we're moving along and things are things are progressing, and a lot of that is with the Department of Food and Ag. Um, they're the ones that are overseeing the the track and trace. Okay, um, that makes sense. Yeah. So the Cal Cannabis Program can provide a better update on that, and and. and you know, so we're we're comfortable where that is, and 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 they're on top of it, and that's that's pretty much all I can really okay. add about that at this okay. point. Okay, no, sure. I understand. Yeah. I mean, we're all yeah. waiting for these draft pieces of regulation, so we no, understand yeah, that you can't tell us anything. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But if you can, we'd like to dive a little bit deeper into some of the certain like license types that there are under sure. the medical program. Um, It seemed like, so we went to your guys' session um, that you had uh, in 2016, like fall of 2016, and I was in the distribution, um, you know, breakout session, and it seemed at that point in time, there was still a lot of uncertainty of, you know, how are, how's packaging going to be regulated? How is lab, like who's responsible for lab testing? And, and Mm -hmm. really it all seemed to focus around distribution. So do you mind talking to us a little bit about how, how do you see it from the BMCR perspective of what is this distribution model that the state will be utilizing? Okay, sure. Um, Right now, um, you know, when we talk about when we talk about how um, how we're going to work toward aligning um, what's in MCRSA and um, AUMA, um, everything is pretty. You know, when sorry, let me let me start again here. As we talk about um, you know the process of regulations, we're working on we're working on medical now, and and we feel like when we when we have medical regulations ready to go. A lot of what's in the medical uh, side of things is going to be transferable because you're talking about similar things. You're talking about the the product and how it's grown, and you know how 
um, a, a dispensary will look and the requirements for a dispensary. So there's a lot of things that are similar. Well, the one difference, obviously, is the distribution piece of it and uh-huh. the fact that in um, in uh, the language in Prop 64, um, it, it allows for some degree of vertical integration, right? You can have um, – it, it doesn't call for um, – it doesn't call for an independent uh, distributor. You can you can you can have dual license or you can have licensing for. You can be a you can be a um, a grower and you can have uh, be a distributor as well. Whereas um, on the medical side of things, all um, all that all the medicinal cannabis and the products are required to go through a distributor prior to market. So it's an independent distributor that you need to go to. It can't be you know you can't be your own distribution service. So that's that's really something that we're trying to figure out right now because in the governor's budget he um, he mentioned that you know for the sake of ease of regulations it doesn't make sense to have two completely different paths as much as possible we want to align and, and sort of reconcile the medical regulations and the adult use regulations and this is the, sort of the biggest piece that's still being worked through is trying to figure out which which way we're going to go. Um, because it doesn't make sense to have two different sets of rules uh, yeah. because then it's just going to – all that would mean is that, that people would be less likely to follow them because they're too – they're either too confusing, they're hard to understand, or they're just, you know, just, just generally don't make sense. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and we've heard a lot of – we've heard a lot of input on, on this, and, and I think that what you'll see next month when the medical regulations are proposed is kind of the direction that we that we want to go so that's that's forthcoming hopefully in the next couple of weeks um, and people will have a chance to to look at what we've proposed then and provide and provide continue to provide feedback and let us know what they think mm-hmm. with with that said there's distribution and then there's transport and i know that all the manufacturers i mean no one really wants distribution except for distribution companies exactly except for like the alcohol lobby you know who wants to get into it or other groups that have used distribution already have distribution set up exactly but it seems like all of the manufacturers are really pushing against it and i'm wondering if the transport license could be used by these companies or is that still questionable it's still questionable um like i said some of these things um, it's it's still you know I know our, our regulations are coming pretty pretty quick here but it's still um, you know maybe a little too soon to discuss the, mm-hmm. the the direction on this yeah uh, yeah before because it's like I said it's one of the biggest um, issues that we still need to address and you know we're going to be looking for a lot of input come come next month from from people who are already in the distribution um, business and have have opinions on how things should run and hopefully how it runs smoothly so um that's why every place we go we're we're soliciting <laughs> input and saying hey these regulations are coming out please read them you know tell us what you think um tell us if something just doesn't make sense you know whatever good bad and indifferent we want to we want to hear from people california would be the only state utilizing a distribution um license type of scheme correct or are it seems like in colorado they're completely vertically integrated integrated. oregon Mm -hmm. is has a wholesale license but you don't have to go through wholesale and washington i don't think has one but i don't know i mean there's we have so many states now that actually have programs but we're just yeah we're more familiar with the west coast yeah right and that's you know and that's 
I think the, the I think that was the uh, the thought process with Prop 64 as well is just to 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 model it after after what other states other states do and allow for for vertical integration. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I, and I guess maybe some of these questions are a little bit like, hey, Simone, wait until you see the draft regulations. <laughs> so tell me, it's if it, if it, the answer is that, and I totally don't. Yeah, mind. And that's and that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do because yeah. we're not, again we're happy to we're happy to talk more after the fact when you guys have a chance to see what's actually in there too. So oh, we'll have you back. Uh, but for definitely. now we'll, we can we can discuss uh, as much as we can. Yeah. Well, could you provide any insight? I guess so we had on our last uh, podcast we were talking to um, the state of Oregon and some operators there there's like a lot of movement right now in pesticides and, um, you know, illegal pesticides. And so that kind of spurred, uh, you know, emerged with the topic of uh, lab testing. So, and maybe if it's wait until April, I'm totally okay with that. But can you give us some guidance um, on who's responsible for lab testing right now in in the regulation? Right. Uh, sure. So, so the testing labs are Will be licensed by by the bureau, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, we're we're working with uh, initially that 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 responsibility was with the Department of Public Health. So it, it's been it's been transferred to us, but again, we're still working pretty closely with them to um, compile regulations for testing labs. But you know, honestly, one of the things um, one of the, the main takeaways for us from the experience in other states is seeing what's happening in Oregon with. Um, the, the within sort of an insufficient number of uh, mm-hmm. of testing labs and, and then having a backlog of product that they can't get to the shelves because the the process of going through um, the testing labs is is taking taking quite a bit of time. So we're we're aware of that, and you know, again, we're we're trying to do what we can to make sure that ultimately come you know January one, there are um, there is an adequate number of testing labs available to. To test the products and and get get safe um, safe product to market. With testing, I think Oregon was the only state that was mandating pesticide screening for all of their cannabis products, be it extract mm-hmm. or or the flower. And California has had recent studies coming out showing yeah. that. Practically everything has pesticides in it, concentrates, flour, etc. And I know it would be incredibly progressive for California to mandate pesticide screening. Is that is that even a thought in the BMCR's mind when it comes to regulation? Or is it more like, let's just make sure we have enough labs to test products now, and then we'll maybe up the regulation? Yeah, I'm going to say there's going to be there's going to be a standard, um, and we're working with the Department of Pesticide Regulation to 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 work on those portions of the of the regulations. But we've we've definitely had our eyes on these on these stories that have come out about yeah. um, levels of pesticides in in cannabis, and you know our our focus originally again was 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 medical cannabis and 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 trying to get you know medicine to patients, and that mm-hmm. was that was really the focus. So we're still very focused on on um, providing safe medicine to patients yeah. that, that that need it. So um, there's been a lot of thought and a lot of focus on that, and we're going to continue to work with DPR. and And when you see our medical regulations, that'll that'll be pretty evident that we've that we've put in that work. 
Excellent. No, that's like super good. There was, I don't know, did you see the NBC article or investigation report that 93% of the yes. pesticides failed and they tested like yeah. four? Oh my God, it's just, it's alarming really. So I stopped smoking, I stopped smoking bud and, and using concentrates because I just reached a point <laughs> where it's like, you just don't know. Yeah. And, I don't know. Yeah. And and so many people are like, oh, we've been smoking this stuff since the 70s. But that's not an excuse no, we just for still continuing yeah. to do that. Right. You know? And that's one of the things that when, you know, when we do have regulations in place and it's, you know, say this time next year, that's we want people to, to, to want to go into a dispensary to, to purchase the things that they need as opposed to continuing to buy from, from somebody who's who's not licensed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, because they'll know, they'll they'll be able to know that they're that the product they're getting from a dispensary is gonna be safe, it's gonna have been tested, whereas, you know, there there's an unfamiliarity with what you're getting from, from a dispensary that's not licensed or from, from somebody who hasn't had their product go through any testing. Yeah. So yeah, um, interesting. Moving, moving everything toward toward the legal market. Yeah, and well, and so then moving to 2018, January 1st, 2018, it's everybody's you know eye on the prize of oh, it's we got to get ready, we have to get everything up and running so we can apply for this license in 2018. And uh, January 1st, 2018. So this is a two part question: Is that mm-hmm. the date that people can start applying? And that's yes. Yeah. That is the date. Um, so just to, to tackle that that first part there, um, everything we're doing right now, um, we've uh, to give you a sense of our timeline. I touched on it a little bit, but next month is when we when we expect to roll out our medical regulations, and that'll kick off a 45 day comment period where people have the chance to, you know, a sufficient amount of time to to read the regulations, whether they want to read them, you know, start to finish, front to back, whatever whatever the case may be, or they just have one particular section that they're interested in that applies to them and then provide us with feedback. And we're going to go around the state. We've, we've held a bunch of hearings in the past, informational sessions and sort of pre-regulatory meetings where we, where we talked to people and got their feedback. And we're going to do the same thing. We're going to have these sort of listening sessions that provide people with the opportunity to come out and just tell the Bureau, what, what do you think? You know, and we're going to, we're going to capture all that feedback and then go back and say, okay, do we need to make substantial changes to, to our regulations based on what we've heard? And if we do, that'll kick off another 45-day comment period um, where we change the regulations and then go back out. And, you know, we've built all of that into our timeline. So we feel pretty good and we've put in um, a, a lot of work and we've, we've talked to a lot of people. So our hope is that we, we just need the one 45-day period um, if we need the two, we've got the time for it. If not, that's great. That just gives us a little bit more time to to start our work on the recreational side of things and have everything ready to go so we can start accepting applications later this year. Um, because as you know, I mean, logically to to be to be uh, issuing licenses on uh, January second, um, the first is a Sunday, yeah. I believe. So <laughs> January second. Um, <laughs> got to start moving to that direction. I keep saying January 1st. Yeah. I, I, as far as I know, no one's going to be coming into this building on a Sunday to get to get licenses. So yep. don't put um, it past them. <laughs> yeah. So January. So January 2nd, when people come in, um, we you know, in order to issue licenses, we'll have already had to accept applications. So um, everybody feels uh, pretty confident about where we're at and the and the timeline and the work that we've done. So. Um, you know, that's, that's our mandate is to hit that, to hit that target and, and, and we intend to do it. 
I'm curious, there's medical and recreational licensing. Why would someone choose one over the other? Why, or would there be someone who wants the medical light? Are, they're different, right? Like you're not recreational if you're medical and vice versa. There will be one, there'll be one license. So you, so if you're interested, if you, if you wanted to open, if you wanted to um, uh, say you were going to have a testing lab, it wouldn't be just a medical testing lab or a recreational testing lab. You would be licensed. There's just, there's just a, a license for testing labs and there's just a license for dispensaries. So it's not, it's not, it's not specific to, to one or the other. You're just, you're licensed and then you can choose what you what you opt to do if you're you know we've seen dispensaries here in sacramento for instance and talk to some people and they you know whether it's their business plan is what it is or that's just their their specialty they've said hey you know even though recreational is coming our our plan is just to stay with medical services because that's that's what we do and that's completely up to them i don't know that um i don't know that it makes sense to go one route or the other i think it's just people are in business for the reasons they're in business so you could only be one or the other but the license is the same for both or could you be both there's a there's a if you were going to be a dispensary for yeah. are you yeah. saying yeah for example a dispensary yeah there's 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 just one license so it just it, and it depends i mean you could you know theoretically you could have you could say well i'm going to have i'm going to have both i'm going to be i'm going to sell I'm going to offer a recreational, I'm going to have recreational patients and I'm going to have medical patients. I mean, that's what we've seen in Oregon. Um, in Oregon, if you walk into a dispensary, um, they'll take your ID and they'll, they'll scan it and they'll say, okay, so we've got you down as a recreational patient or we know that you're a medical patient and mm -hmm. then you go into the back and you're able to buy things accordingly based on what your status is. So if you're a recreational or if you're a recreational customer, you can go in and you can buy one edible or you can buy a certain amount of, of flour or whatever it is. And, uh, and that's it. And then if you decide to go next door and try to go to the dispensary there, they'll scan your ID and say, no, you've, that's it for you for today. You have one, one shot. Mm -hmm. And if you're a medical patient, you can go in and, you know, you can buy whatever you need. Mm, interesting. Well, what about so those are the differences. Yeah. <clears throat> Can you talk a little bit about the differences then in like manufacturing then between, you know, a medical and recreational manufacturing license? Like if I'm making edibles. Would it be based on potency like in Washington yeah. or I think Oregon, Colorado, Colorado got rid of medical, but where it was a thousand. No, Colorado million. didn't get rid of medical. Washington, oh, yeah, the, Washington the manufacturing, again, manufacturing would fall with the uh, public health. So oh, got it. With, with, their, with yeah. their set of regulations, but. I can tell you that um, as uh, you know, we're going to public health will roll out their regulations at a particular time and they'll have their own sort of listening tour and food and ag will do the same with the cultivation um, regulations. And then we'll have ours. So everyone will have the opportunity to, you know, digest that section of the regulations and provide, provide their feedback. Oh, cool. Oh, that's it, yeah. so interesting. Makes me worried that, too many chefs in the kitchen? The medical cannabis program in California, which is the cannabis industry in California, is going to get merged with recreational and then eventually phased out. I hope not, but yeah. what's the point of, I guess other than potency, what's the point of getting your medical recommendation if you can go into the same store as a yeah. you know, it's and buy recreationally? Well, and also I saw in Prop 64 that if you want to be a medical patient, 
once it goes into effect, you have to register with the state as a medical patient, which has not been the case you know, oh. until now. And I know a lot of people are not comfortable going on record with the state that they are yeah. a cannabis patient. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. Alex, can you elaborate? Like, on, in Jan- on January 1st, 2018, when all this stuff, like, medically happens, um, do patients then need to go register with the state according to the new rules? Um, you know, it's my my understanding is that that the, the the medical the medical card program will still will still be the same. Mm. Um, where they you know people who have a who have a, a card to be able to go and get you know their medical patient um, that that'll that that'll remain is my current understanding of it. Okay. Um, and you know the differences obviously would be in in what you can buy. Um, and the frequency w- which you can go in and purchase the products that you need and also um, at the, the rate at which it's taxed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and that's the way that you're going to keep both sides of it viable is to, is to make it, um, you know, if, if you're going to tax one side of it, then I, I would imagine jurisdictions would probably put more tax on the recreational half of it and keep it more, more, pro- or more um, accessible for medical patients. Yeah. Absolutely. Which makes me and think. And that's what I think that works best in other states as well. Yeah. Um, before we get to the speed round, uh, we are, you know, having an extreme pulse on what's happening at the federal level um, with mm-hmm. the new administration, um, their viewpoint on medical, reading between the lines or just reading their stance on recreational or adult use. We just talked about that California looks like medical and adult use will probably be implemented at the same time, regulation mm-hmm. still pending. From your perspective as a regulatory body and representing, you know, the citizens of California in this reg- in this industry, are you afraid? And if so, why? If not, why? I can I can certainly see why why people are concerned because again, you're you're seeing a lot of people who are excited about the direction the industry is going. They want to be involved. Um, and they're and so they're they're working right now to to build up their to build up their business so they're ready to go on January one. I mean we get calls all the time and emails from people who are saying yeah I know I know I can't get a license until January one but what can you what can you tell me like how can I get a, a jump start on it right now what can I what can I do and our main advice is always hey you know go to your go to your local governments find out educate yourself on what the regulations are in your area. And, you know, do what you need to do to get yourself in good standing um, with your local government so you're ready to be licensed on, you know, January 2nd. But at the same time, you know, there is some uncertainty about what the federal government will will or won't do. And, you know, right now it's just uh, all it's been is words. I can understand why people are, are, are anxious, like I said, because they are putting in a, a level of effort and commitment and resources to getting their businesses together. But there's been no actual plan. It's just been, it's been talk and, and that's how we're approaching it. I mean, we're, we're continuing to move forward with the work that we're doing. We can't take our eye off the ball. It's, you know, our, our time frame is too, is, is too aggressive. We need to, we need to put all of our focus on getting our regulations right um, and being ready for, for January, for January, 2018. Um, and that's, that's the direction we've taken. Um, we're going to keep working until t- somebody tells us to do otherwise. Great. Well, yeah, we need California to get regulated and not give the feds a reason to come in and regulate it for us. 
East Absolutely. California. And I think, I think you know, and mm-hmm. luckily we've got we've got elected officials um, on our side who are who are committed to to pushing back and and to to protecting the um, um, you know the things that the people of California have voted for and and said that they want. So. Um, I think that's a that's that's a good thing. We've got we've got people people fighting for for us and for the things that we voted for. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's get into the speed round. And our first question is: If someone is just getting into the industry, what is something that they should know? But you kind of went over that in our previous questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go to the next question. Well, no, no, no. If, no? if there's anything besides well, yeah. talking to your local government, what do you suggest people should know? Business-wise, you know, after they've talked to the local government, what what else should they be knowing? Um, I think that that's, I, I think, the, I think first of all, I think that's that's the main thing is knowing knowing what's allowed in your local government, getting yourself, um, getting yourself in, in position to do business in your city, in your county, um, and because you need to be able to show that good standing uh, to the state to get to get your license, so that's that's a that's a big part of it. Um, and so I, I'm not sure that there's anything that I would consider more important than that um, at this point, just because um, you that's know not everyone not everyone will get a license on the first day. But if you're gonna and if you're gonna get yourself as close as possible to getting a license as quickly as you can, I mean that's that's a huge first step. So. Um, I can't really emphasize that enough. No, oh, yeah, it's definitely. true. I mean, you have, if you're in the cannabis industry, you need to be talking politics. You need to be knowing your local government. Mm-hmm. They need I mean, to know they're you. the ones that are giving you the license for us to even get the second license. So, exactly. right. And if you, and important. if there's something you don't like about what's happening in your local government, now's your time to be, to be active and to be vocal and to be, uh, you know, make yourself a part of the process. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the second question, and actually the final question for you. Okay. Where do you see BMCR a year from now? Ooh, um, that's a that's a that's a really good question. I I feel like we're going to be successful. Um, you know, <laughs> I laugh because our, our our lieutenant governor, who's been a huge proponent of of the cannabis industry and was obviously a driving force behind Proposition sixty four, had a great line where he said, um, you know, he was he was saying how he 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 worries about getting this done and getting it done right. And he feels comfortable with the direction we're going because at the end of the day, he, he feels like he's almost the poster child for the effort. And if everything goes well, no one will remember that, that he was the poster child for the effort. You know, it'll only be if something goes wrong. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like a year from now, I feel like we're going to be in a position where we're still going to be learning. Um, there's going to be things, there's going to be, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be probably some, uh, you know, hiccups, maybe a bump in the road, but, um, these are things that, that aren't going to be fixed by, by more time. We need to, we need to see the data that comes out of the first, like I said, the first six months of people coming forward and, and applying for licenses and what happens and how do we, how do we ramp up our enforcement to, um, you know, get people who are still resisting coming into regulation to, to move them towards regulation because, you know, there's going to be so many people and there already have been uh, businesses that are, that are responsible, that pay their taxes, that are, that are open and transparent. And, and, you know, we, we want them to, to continue wanting to do that. And it doesn't help if they're, if they have five other businesses around them that, that aren't, that haven't gotten a license and that aren't, that aren't in regulation. So, 
Um, I see us, I see us uh, building a lot more um, infrastructure here. I feel like our staff is going to increase quite a bit. I, I know it is, um, and that's going to happen re- relatively soon. We have, we have uh, I think, 14 employees the last time I checked. Oh, wow. And, uh, and by um, and July 1 comes around, we'll have a new budget, and, and I think we're going to bring on anywhere from 50 to 75 more people. So, And a lot of that is going to be in terms of uh, ramping up our licensing program and our um, enforcement program. So there's, there's going to be a ton of growth here at the Bureau, and um, so I would think a year from now we're going to be a lot bigger. We're going to be um, in a position where we're going to be focused on you know, the regulation, the regulating half will be will be done, but we're going to be looking at um, the licensing and enforcement and, and continuing to move forward and find those areas where we still need to maybe work with the legislature to to um, you know fix any potential unintended consequences or just things that, that don't work or, or add new license types, just different things, but it's all going to be based on feedback from, from people in the industry. So um, even though the regulations will be done, um, I don't think we'll ever stop saying, hey, let us know what's working and what's not working, you know, and, and continue to provide your feedback so we can so we can get this system running as smoothly as it possibly can. Continual improvement. Yeah, I think exactly. people will definitely keep letting you know how they feel as well. So there should be no lack of community input, that's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm not in the, in the, well, I guess I kind of am, but I was going to say <laughs> I'm not in the business of tooting our own, our own horn, but, um, you know, we, we, we get out and we talk to people as much as we possibly can. We, we emphasize all the time, you know, call us, email us, you know, get in touch, get on our listserv for, for information. Um, you know, just, just generally be in contact with us. We want to, we want to know, I mean, if you don't agree with us, that's fine. I, I, we'd rather have your opinion and, and think about things from a different way. Um, if, if the end result is it just, it makes our regulations stronger and makes everything better. So um, I don't think we'll ever change from that. And we, when we'll continue to get out of the community and, and, and go to different, um, you know, meetings and forums and panels and all these things that we've been doing and, and going up and down the state to talk to, to everybody. So um, I think that's, I think that's good. And I think, uh, I, I hope people appreciate the fact that we are, we are willing to do that and, and, and they feel like their voices are heard. Yeah. Well, I think you guys are doing a great job and I'm really glad to hear that you're so open and ready and willing to work with all of the different communities. Um, and mm-hmm. I want to thank you for joining us on our show today. It was awesome talking with you. Yeah, thank you. Alex Traverso, Chief of Communications for the BMCR. Thank you so much for joining Cannabis Business Minds. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day. That was so interesting. It's <sighs> nice to be able to talk to someone who can give us answers even if they're not able to answer us yet but at least give us some sort of informed something yeah and kind of just to clarify a few things I mean my biggest takeaway from it was how open they are to work with the community which to me is essential in ensuring that the regulation is the best for everybody and that they're actually going to these stakeholder meetings and listening and like being able to do the public comment and be flexible and see what works and see what doesn't. Well, and creating a citizen panel yeah. for the BMCR yeah. to represent all of the different factions and people with experience mm-hmm. to help them 
if there's one thing I love slash hate about California is it's so incredibly democratic that mm -hmm. you can have both perfect, yeah. attacks on the ballot as well as, you know, like removing attacks or yeah, something. Yeah, like both of them are. Yeah, so then people are consistently voting for infrastructure improvement and then voting against taxes and we get nowhere because we are <laughs> able to say exactly what we think. So hopefully in this case... It will be good. Yeah. It will be a good thing. Oh, I really hope so. What was your biggest takeaway? I was really surprised that there are only one license. Yeah. So that... I didn't get that, every, actually. I mean, especially with Oregon, the fact... The whole glut of supply and the whole holdup with labs is because they were medical labs. They were yeah. not licensed for recreational. Exactly. But then all of the stores had gone recreational, no longer medical. Whereas this is like, you guys can do both or one or the other, which makes me wonder. If it's about to be paralleled. Or why would you choose to do recreational? Especially if, right now. If you can't do vertical integration, but medical does not have anything against vertical integration. Quite the contrary. I think that the adult use of distant, like, allows you don't have a distribution and medical is forced distribution what i thought it was the opposite no oh well i guess if there's only one license type anyways yeah then yeah. everyone has to use distribution right so that's interesting where it's like hmm no state did that no i mean well, right? we don't know they all started states. out with i think medical. that if, a if you guys are listening uh out in the audience if you're from a state other than the west coast <laughs> Please, we would love to know what's happening and if you guys have distribution in your license types and if that's good or if that's bad. Or do you have recreational and medical in the same state and how are they separate? And how are they truly separate? Yeah. yeah. So um, please like, go into our Facebook group, Cannabis Business Minds, and uh, let us know there or subscribe on uh, iTunes. iTunes. But you can't communicate with us if you subscribe on iTunes. Unless you leave us a glowing review <laughs> and then we'll find you just yes. to thank you and give you chocolate. Oh, absolutely. Cannabis Business Minds is recorded by Simone Samaluka Radzins and Kristen Yoder. Produced and edited by Gustavo Bulgach at East Venice Recording Studios. Podcast music is by Ketza. You can find more episodes of the show on our website, liv-consulting.com, and you can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.